This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people in the stable, which is also for swallow people. We've got a bunch of, of swallows, they, they've, they're off the nest, the little ones, and they're, they're bombing around, <laughs> but they're, they're trying to come back in again, and I was still in the wrong place. So uh, they, they were up by the house the other day, it was really fascinating. They came up, and they were... Um, I think they were just around the house. I think the house was a safe island. They could fly around. There was a, a cable, uh, an old TV cable, which is not used anymore, but still there. One of those <laughs> things that happens, isn't it? So there's this, they, they, there was a little collection of them all sat on the cable. And, uh, and then a little bit later, I, I heard one and saw one. It was chuntering away. It was by itself, but it, it was kind of on the guttering. And then there's a swoop past from the adults. And it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, um, let's fly around here. And if you, if you need to, I can hear a big buzz. Where's the big buzz? Oh, I see you. I see you. Oh, I see you. How do I? The alpacas think I'm hunting them, but there's a really big. I need to kind of. Catch this thing, it's a really big horsefly. Oh, there it is, it's on the door. Missed it. Ah. They get wise really quick to the fact they're being hunted. <laughs> not, not the alpacas, the horseflies. And they disappear, so it's gone out the other, the other window. It'll be back in a bit. So I'll keep my ears open. You can hear them buzzing, big buzz. Hello, you look a bit miserable. What's up with you? You just all these flies bothering you. I'm sorry, sweet one. Poor old Pearl. She's kind of standing a little bit hunched and she's a bit kind of, oh, I can't lots of leg wiping and stamping of her feet. Not really stamping their feet, they're just kind of moving their legs, picking them up to get away from the little bites. There's lots of little, little biting and then there's also some pesty, pesky um, flies, which are just nuisance flies. They're not, they're not biting them, but they're just a nuisance around the eyes and that kind of thing after the moisture. Oh, nice. So, um, trying to keep everybody uh, comfortable and protected as best we can. Oh, sweet one. You don't want that. You don't want that on your back. No, no. Let me get that for you. But she thinks I'm hunting her. No. How do I... Um, perhaps recording and... Ooh, on the water. Do you, want to, do you want to do that? I can bash you into the water. Landed on a door frame. again that's twice two misses you haven't got any so that went on for <laughs> quite a while and then i i gave up because i just couldn't catch them 
these jolly old big horse flies. So I went up to feed the boys instead, and there, there were some big horse flies up there as well. It wasn't the same ones. It was definitely different ones, but yes, I think so. Uh, that's th- that time of year. So I'm trying to trying to help and trying not to get bitten in the process. What do you do? I, w- I was trying to help. I really was. And I, I came up with a new technique, <laughs> which was awful. Uh, so I, I was wearing a, um, a hat. I was wearing a baseball cap and I took it off and I used it as a swat to try and catch. And so the quick movement and all the alpacas were in the stable, as you heard earlier, and they all dashed out because they suddenly twitched because I, I swooshed with my hat. Um, if I'd caught the horsefly, I would have felt it was maybe justified <laughs> and it was worth doing. But all I did was completely wind up the alpacas. Anyway, that was one of the reasons I gave up. So it's a challenge, isn't it, to this, this kind of thing. So one of the, the things about this is trying to work out how you break a cycle like this, particularly thinking of parasites, particularly thinking of flies and that kind of stuff. How do you break the cycle? So, uh, well, the ultimate breaking of the cycle is catching the fly and killing it. So it's not going to have any offspring. Um, I don't know where they go to lay their eggs and, and survive through for a 12 month period because they all, the large horse flies appear a year later. The other ones are not so sure. I think it's probably quicker. Um, but I'm not sure where, again, where, where, where are they laying the eggs? Where are they where are they developing? I'm not sure. So we shall have to see. Um, yeah, the other things are things like nematodes, the roundworms. The eggs are passed out with the feces. They're on the ground. They 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 kind of reinfect, or they become the eggs. Are, there's just a lot of them on the ground, and they they they're going to infect the the alpacas later. So, moving rotating around, moving around between fields. Is good when when you treat and then move. That can be a problem because they, if you do it immediately, um, then they can actually pass out the ones that survive the worm treatment. So you're actually re- refining <laughs> your your worm count and refining the ones who are going to be the ones who are going to cause a problem because <laughs> they're going to become resistant. Hmm. So it's a bit complicated, isn't it? Yeah. I know that you've got the things like um, you know, nematodes, roundworms. You've also got the platyhelminths, which are the flatworms. So things like liver fluke. And there's a bit more complicated life cycle. And the, it re- involves wet ground, damp ground, mud, snails, and contaminated grass, which the alpacas get access to. So if you can break that cycle, you can you can do that by draining the ground. You can do that by... Uh, you can't really do anything with the mud snails, but keeping the alpacas away, so fencing off the wet areas, not giving them access to to the bits where it's going to be contaminated, and uh, and also treating, so they're not passing out the worms, uh, eggs, in the feces. So that's that's the the other way uh, of doing that. But again, you just got to be careful. You're not setting up any resistance. So changing the the particular medication you're using. And this is a, a classic example of getting some advice from your vet and just being sure that you're getting um, the best for the different type of parasites and the different types in the life cycle of the parasite. So yeah, breaking breaking the cycle. And that's another reason for, for mucking out and moving the, uh, all the feces away. Um, and I, I take them down, I put them in a wheelbarrow and I take them away. Quite a 
you know, it must be 50 meters or more away from where the alpacas are. This is trying to, to mean that the, the eggs and the stuff, the flies that are associated with the, the droppings are going to be away from the place where the alpacas are housed. Um, yeah, it's not complete, is it? But it's a, a move in the right direction. So if you can do that, that's helpful. And there are other things with the, uh, in, in the UK, I'm not sure we can get it in the US, but in the UK, there's, there are things called red top, um, fly traps. <laughs> I wonder why, why they're called red top fly traps. I would imagine it's because they have a red top, which they do. And you mix up a little bit of, with water in the bottom of this, uh, it smells disgusting. You need to know this. It mix up some paste in the bottom and then the, the flies start coming and then they keep coming and keep coming. And you end up with this fly soup. It's, it's really gross and disgusting and smells horrific. Um, but it will all compost away. So that's that's the good thing about that. Um, but that's one way of catching them. But you need to put that, hang it far enough away so that you're not actually attracting the flies to where the alpacas are, uh, which I, so I experimented with that one year and uh, learned some lessons <laughs> the hard way. Yeah. So those those kind of things, it's worth thinking about. How do you break the cycle? And it can be a bit of that with behaviour as well. If you've got some cycles of behaviour, how, how do you break that? How do you change what's going on? And this is what's happening. This is how they react. How do you change that? Well, change the 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 way that things are done. Introduce less stressful situations, etc., um, find it find a different way of of managing the thing. So, there, there's lots of potential problems with potential solutions, but it just needs a, a bit of bit of thinking through. So we've continued to have some hot weather here in the valley. The uh, the poor old uh, mother goose who sat on her nest. Uh, I did get a glimpse the other day. I tried to. <laughs> they they steamed over as soon as they saw me. Uh, so I stopped a quick photograph, but it was too far away. I couldn't, I couldn't get in close enough to see. So there's at least three, I think, three eggs there. She sat on this through all this hot weather, um, and every now and again I'm hearing this honk, 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 and I'm thinking, oh, okay, need a check just to be sure that they they don't need my protection, <laughs> which they don't. And it was basically that, like once a day, probably she gets off the nest, and it's a reuniting with with her mate. And there's there's a they gather a good old honk together and uh, uh, just really pleased to 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 be around and, and you know splash in the water and, and ritual cleanings and things going on. So they're they're nicely bonded these two, and uh, I'm sure they'd be good parents once the the eggs have hatched. And if we can just keep uh, got loads of seagulls around at the moment. What are they doing here? <laughs> no idea. We're, we're not that far from the sea, but we're not that close. And they're just cruising around and, and circling around in the valley in the mornings, particularly, and up on the on the tops and things. I'm not sure what they're after. I just, yeah. But every now and again, one will come down and sort of land on the water. It's very tempting. <laughs> the crows don't like that. They steam over there and, and uh, dive bomb them and, and get them in the air again and chase off the, the seagull. Uh, so the seagulls are a problem because they'll be after anything that's small and fluffy that they might be able to eat. And also, well, the crows are as well. So I, I don't trust either of those those lot. And we'll just have to try and be around at the right time and support. Uh, there's, you know, it's one of those things. So that's that's been going on. 
Um, <clears throat> less geese around, no, no, less ducks around this week. Uh, not sure where they've gone. It's just this last couple of days they seem to have disappeared. I'm not sure why. Anyway, so they're, they're still some around, but not as quite as many. And the little ones of the the older pair uh, of geese, the, the older um, goslings, they're doing really well and they're growing really big and uh, starting to develop a few feathers now. It's interesting, when you hear the, the adults fly, you can hear there's a kind of a, um, what's the word? It's not quite a whistle, but it's you can hear a different sound. It's kind of like a whistle. You can hear the feathers um, through the air. This is because they're losing feathers and the, the adults are, are in their phase of molting, basically. So they were losing all their, their big flight feathers and it, it just makes their flight a little bit noisier and <laughs> means they, they skim. Okay, the male comes over, he's waiting for his female partner who's on the nest. So he comes up into the field with the alpacas quite often and then I'll disturb them and he just, oh, I'll have to leave. And and he kind of just clears the, <laughs> clears the fence as he flies out of the field uh, and heads over and lands up back on the water. So it's very tempting, isn't it? Dangling your feet in the water. That's a nice idea, isn't it? No, I don't think so. Um, one thing I wouldn't get anywhere near at the moment because the, the goose would chase me off. But also, uh, it's probably colder than... <laughs> it's probably a bit of a shock if I got my feet in there. And it's all um, yum, 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 muddy and stuff. So I'm not sure I want to do that. Uh, there you go. So we shall, we shall carry on watching and waiting and seeing what develops that. The girls are enjoying being out and about, um, but they're standing, staying quite close to home too for all the time because these flies, I think, and they're just, it's a bit cooler in the, the stable. So a lot of them are getting in there. I'm not feeding them, them in there at the moment. That's an interesting development because it's dry. I've been feeding them outside and it's just been a little bit better. So that's, that's been interesting. The, the behavior just adjusting slightly. So they, they kind of have the food and then they'll come in and they'll stand in there. There's lots of standing around at the moment. The alpacas are trying to stay comfortable, trying to, trying to be, I'm just standing here, getting cool, and moving their feet around, trying to avoid the flies. Me too. I've got lots, got lots of lumps. I haven't been very good at avoiding them. Uh, I've been catching a few, but a lot of them have been getting me and taking a sample of my blood. There we go. I think they've got the, the flies, you know, I think they can see a different spectrum of light. So when they look at you, they they can see the blood vessels a bit clearer <laughs> so they could they could come get you. And also they're able to the ones that are that are re- taking blood like this, they can detect really really small concentrations of CO2 gas in in the air and they follow back upstream or back up wind um, back to the source which is the animals or me breathing out carbon dioxide uh, and that's that's how they kind of find you and then they 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 home in with their their slightly different vision so they can see where the blood feed is easily accessed so I've got I've got a number of itchy lumps and that's just another factor of this time of year. So I'm not complaining really. It's just how it is. Yeah. Some areas of the grass are dying back. Other areas, we had a bit of a downpour overnight a few days back and it it was a wetting rather than, didn't really make any difference. Didn't, hasn't held back the, the lake from drying out. 
it hasn't really done that much. There's a bit of greening with the grass, but we need a, a bit more rain and it's not promised for a, for a while. So this is all part of the, the shift that we're experiencing all around the world, isn't it? With the different climate expressions. Um, it's not just one-offs. These are leanings in a direction. And I think we're getting with the pattern shifts that are, that are happening for all of us. So hope you're doing okay where you are. Hope you're managing and in Canada and stuff the, the, with the fires and down into a, the US with the smoke and stuff. And then it's just different areas, different challenges. We've all got them. But hope your challenge isn't too great and isn't too damaging. Um, so yeah, take care. And if you can, do take some time out with your alpacas. Spend a bit of time with them. Make sure you got some fly repellent on though. Uh, take care. Yeah. So have a good day. Have a good week and see you again soon. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.